The second reading is from the Gospel according to Mark. Jesus also said, The sovereignty of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day and the seed would sprout and grow. He does not know how. The earth produces of itself first the stalk, then the head, then the full grain in the head. But when the grain is ripe, at once he goes in with a sickle, because the harvest has come. Jesus also said, With what can we compare the sovereignty of God? Or what parable will we use for it? It's like a mustard seed, which, when sown upon the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth, yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs, <laughs> and puts forth large branches so that the birds in the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them except in parables, but he explained everything in private to his disciples. I had a wonderful kindergarten teacher, Miss Leonard. She first introduced me to the parable power of seeds. One day, she guided us in a project of sprouting bee beans held against the side of a jar with wet paper towels. We sowed the seeds. We watched. The harvest for me was delight and wonder. How did that happen? Let me keep doing this at home. Beans and other living things from the kitchen kept sprouting up all over the backyard, and I knew not how. I think Jesus shared that delighted wonder with seeds. Seeds are essential to the dynamism of life. They are reflections of the realm of God, the original and ultimate dynamism of life. Our two readings today, the choice of David and the image of the mustard seed, are both Cinderella stories. David, the youngest and overlooked son of Jesse was anointed king. Mustard, an invasive weed, is likened to the realm of God. Jesus teaches with stories that bother us into thinking and changing our way of thinking. 
Last time I was here, I shared a story about my time in Rome, which was one of the most difficult times in my life. While I was going through my culture shock during my years in Rome, I felt sorry for one of the Italian brothers who was going through his own culture shock. He was from a little village in the mountains of southern Italy. He'd never lived in a big city before. He felt lost. I was from California, spoiled with many conveniences and a wonderful variety of food. We were walking through the streets of medieval Rome looking for a restaurant for dinner. I was hungry for something foreign. He was hungry for something Italian. I complained that the only restaurants were Italian. I asked why there was not food from the rest of the world. And he told me, oh, you could put a fine foreign food restaurant here on the very best corner of Rome and we would not go to it. To which I responded, uncharitably, I know, that's because you're all so closed-minded. He took great offense and shot back. It is not that we are closed-minded. It is just that we already know we wouldn't like the stuff. <laughs> I thank him for that comment. That's a reflection on humanity. We often already know we just wouldn't like the stuff. Why would I want to learn about something I don't know anything about? Don't ever do anything for the first time. Jesus' first proclamation in Mark is the imperative related to the Greek word metanoia. It usually gets translated as repent. We tend to lose the meaning in that translation. The Greek word means change your mind, decide to turn around, face a new direction. Jesus' parables invite us to metanoia. We are invited to realize we do not already know. And that we need to keep questioning and learning and turn around to face more directions. At its simplest, this is a quote from some scripture scholar whom I've never read, but I found the quote. At its simplest, the parable is a metaphor or simile drawn from nature or common life, arresting the hearer by its vividness or strangeness, and leaving the mind in sufficient doubt about the parable's precise application to tease the mind into active thought. So, what might be vivid and strange in the parable of the mustard seed? Well, the seed is not really so small. I was comparing it this morning to other seeds I've never gotten around to planting. And they're much smaller. Much smaller. I wasn't even sure whether the packages had any seeds in it. I had to carefully, oh yeah, 
There might be a hundred seeds in there and I can't see them. The plant's not really so big. Birds likely would not build, best, build nests in an annual herbaceous plant. Annual means it lives and dies in one year. Herbaceous means it never develops woody tissue. So it sprouts in the spring. At the same time, the birds already need to be building nests. It was probably never sown on purpose. It was mostly an unwelcome plant. It was outlawed as a noxious weed by the Roman Empire. Several species of mustard are listed as noxious invasive weeds in California. And Mark put a little parable about wheat seed just before the parable of the mustard seed. Mustard seed would not be welcome in a fine cultivated wheat field. So mustard reseeds with great success. I love those plants in my gardens because I'm lazy. But I also want to have a garden that doesn't depend so much on me. And the realm of God does not depend on me. So mustard is one of those plants that reseeds, reseeds, spreads, you can't get rid of it. But it does not yield a lucrative harvest. It does not yield a lucrative harvest. It can serve as a soil improver when it's plowed back into the soil. But there is no such thing as a grand 2,000-year-old mustard plant. There's no tourist destination to the world's largest mustard plant. Jesus is teaching us that the kingdom of God is not the grand human enterprise to which we often want to reduce it. The Roman Empire symbolized itself with the great Cyprus, Lebanon with its great cedar, England with its great oak, California with its great beloved redwoods. The mustard seed represents the landless poor people in contrast to the mere greatness of Rome. The realm of God is like a tiny grain of mustard seed. It's not scientifically the smallest seed. Mustard seed was a figure of speech for giving the measure of something very small. Rather like the pea in the story of the princess and the pea. Or in our insult if we call someone pea-brained. The realm of God begins in small seeds. Among the disenfranchised. But it's not going to be eradicated, even if it is outlawed. Even if it is just a common shrub with no branch structure enough for birds to build nests in, it will still be a power of hospitality for the common good.
The seed parables invite us to learn from creation, creation which is the first book of Revelation. I invite you to pray yourself into these two little parables. Pray yourself into each parable as each character in the parable. The sower, the cultivated wheat seed, the weedy mustard seed, the growing wheat, the growing mustard plant, the birds, the ripe grain, the flavorful mustard seed, and the harvester. Just spend time imagining yourself as each of those characters. What comes up in your prayerful imagination? Are you being invited to face a new direction? Can you recognize where you are called to learn something new and let go of thinking you already know? Besides interpreting Jesus' parables for our own growing insight and changes of mind, how about using Jesus' method of reflection and finding metaphors and similes for our own parables, right where we are, wherever we are, whenever we are? Look around where you are and ask, how or what does this teach me about the realm of God? I've been reflecting on this reading on Bart as I go back and forth to the airport. And I said, how is this Bart car a reflection of the realm of God? How is this crazy airport a reflection of the realm of God? As I walk down the street in an urban area where we don't have these agricultural images, how do these tree roots ripping up the sidewalk reflect the realm of God? How do these weeds thriving in the cracks of pavement reflect the realm of God? How does Golden Gate Park reflect the realm of God? And how does 7th Avenue Presbyterian Church reflect the realm of God? The life cycle of the mustard plant speaks to us of our own life cycle and our unfolding part in the kingdom of God. Planting can be seen as youth. The time of libido. And libido is the energy the instinct to begin and build. It's the energy for biological generativity. And harvest is the time for eldering. I'm using that word for myself more as I am one year away from Medicare if it still lasts. It was not taken away from it. Eldering, a positive movement forward as we age. It's the energy of Thanatos, which doesn't mean wanting to die, but it's the instinct to bring things to completion, non-biological generativity, 
and having the time to be still and knowing that God is. The realm of God is always new and surprising. It is the desert weeds that give shelter to those in need of safe harbor. It's the invasive weed that keeps proclaiming the wisdom of Romans 13. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. As our country proclaims its mere greatness by placing foreign children in privatized concentration camps, how do we not be overcome by evil, but rather overcome evil with good? That's wisdom from Romans 12. Even in times of explicit slavery, efforts were made to keep mothers and children together. The kingdom of God is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown upon the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade.